0: Radio with Tex
1: and Liam from the Fresno Irons. Hello and welcome into another edition of American Hammers Radio. This is your host Tex, joined as always by the dulcet, sweet, sensual sounds of the man whose wife is way too hot for him, Mr. Liam Bright. How are you today, Liam?
0: Oh, I'm doing amazing as always but it's so odd that you refer to yourself as my wife. I mean I appreciate it I, and I love the partnership that you and I have but really at this point your uh your your passive aggressiveness when it comes to your looks is is it's grating man. I don't know what else to tell you. I mean I I
1: grew I grew the beard out because you like to be tickled. So that's is that's true. the only thing I'm going to say.
0: My, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Oh, God.
1: We're already off and rolling here. We're already getting real. I mean, it, this this <laughs> is this is our NC-17 podcast right now. Um, <laughs> obviously, uh, since we last talked, three matches that we need to recap. We obviously previewed the full of match. Did not play our best game. And that one, the game finished as a neil nil draw. Um, I'm not going to lie to you, Liam. I don't know how you felt about it. It did feel like we dropped points in that game, uh, an opportunity. But... You know, Fulham have been playing really good soccer, uh, excuse me, really good football as of late. Um, they did just beat Everton uh,
0: yeah. pretty
1: recently, and they kind of beat Everton down. It wasn't really that close. So maybe getting a point out of that game was uh, well-deserved. And I would say this, Liam, in, in the past, those are games West Ham United lose, and we're not losing those games. Which I think is a massive, massive improvement. I mean, before we move on to talk about the other matches, I think that Fulham game, it, as weird as it sounds, that's to me that's one of the better performances from West Ham all year because in a game that we're not bringing our best, we still end up finding a way to get a result, and I was very happy about that.
0: Hundred percent. I I don't have a, a whole lot to add to that, but I agree because and, and I feel like one maybe it was Declan that had said it afterwards, was that, hey, this is typically a match that, you know, last season, we probably would have lost. And, you know, in in typical West Ham fashion, we would have given up the late goal, too. It would have been at, like, the 89th minute that we, you know, that we give up the, uh, you know, a bad header or something shitty, and then all of a sudden, you know, that that would have been points dropped. I think we went into it expecting, you know, not Fulham to roll over, but I Based on our previous performances, I I thought we were going to be a bit more dominant. But it was an away match. The weather was crap. And, you know, yeah, we didn't play our best, but we still got a point out of it. And really, we have to remember, a point away is huge. Three points is obviously always better, but I'll always take at least a point away.
1: All right, 100%. And, and we get a point out of that game, a game that we typically would have lost, especially the last three years. We would have definitely lost that game. Um, then we, uh, we had an FA cup game, of course, the West Ham way, um, you know, we can't draw, you know, Wimbledon or Dorchester or, you know, <laughs> Frank's club. We, uh, we have to draw one of the big six. Therefore we do. We draw Manchester United. We play our tails off in that game. Liam, um, we had our opportunities. We did not capitalize on it and you know, man United become man United and they get the win, uh, 0 our FA cup season is over. Um, I I'm going to get criticized for this left and right. I have to admit, I would much rather finish um, in the top six of the Premier League than make a deep FA Cup run. The reason I say that is because I think going into Europe would be a much more exciting prospect than winning the FA Cup. So I don't mind exiting. I I just wish that you know one time we could get a draw that's in our favor late in this thing. Um, because I feel like that never really happens for us. And and you watch like Manchester City gets, you know, they get drawn like, you know, LA Galaxy's under 16 team. <laughs> and that's who they have to play to make the final. And it's it's always ridiculous how that works out. I think I think the FA wants those big clubs in that final. I think it means a lot to them to have those clubs there because they know they're going to sell tickets and so uh not this year though so why did we not get it this year didn't matter this year
0: but, yeah uh, no not at all
1: I, what, what are your thoughts on the FA Cup exit
0: so i'm i'm a I'm a little bit on the other side of the fence i you know, and I, I know I, I don't say this as like a dig against you because I know you know the history of this club, you know, just as well as I do when it comes to the FA Cup. Um, but I really liked the symmetry of Declan Rice being number 41. This is 41 years since we won the FA Cup in 1980. It would have been really, really nice. It would have been really cool for Declan. And I'll be honest, I don't know how much Mark Noble is going to contribute next season. And so it kind of worried me that we weren't going to be able to push on because I think this would have been a great center. Off for nobs as well for him to, to really get that fa cup run uh get that trophy and 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 you know be able to kind of cap off what has been in my opinion uh an outstanding career uh for 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 such a uh you know headstrong soldier for the club uh yeah i mean i would have loved to have drawn you know walgreens fucking backroom staff <laughs> you know like <laughs> like some of these other clubs have gotten but um it's kind of a, it's a good test of metal, right? When you go up against a, a top six team, and when you can beat them, and you know that launches you further into the, you know, uh, you know this would have been the the, the final four, right? Um, I would have liked to have seen it happen, honestly. You know, after those ninety minutes and us being able to hold them to a draw, especially with Agbana going down early, it was like what nine minutes in with that bad tackle from uh, Martial that that destroyed his ankle. Uh, Diop comes in to replace him. Has to go out at halftime because of concussion protocols. Uh, Yarmolenko Yarmolenko twists a knee or something, pulls a ligament. So I mean, that's three guys out. Um, You know, we were you know not that we were digging deep into the bench. I mean, these are all guys that have in various forms started matches throughout this season. But it just felt like it was not our day. It felt like we were just. It was very unlucky for us throughout it. I I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to go down to penalties. To be honest with you. Um, I was sad that the, the, the Scottish man got his goal there. Um, I guess a little F you to Moys, you know, uh, hometown, uh, hometown kicking us out, but you know, at, at the end of the day, it's just, they, they were able to get, they were, they were able to be just a little bit lucky, luckier than we were. And you know, it, sometimes that's the way the games are played. So, uh. I'll hope that next year we do better. And I think with this team and what Moyes has said that, you know, this summer is going to be a bit of a rebuilding. I think next year's FA Cup, we will absolutely be lethal.
1: I I, I all right. Here here's my thing. Everything that you brought up, and, and I think this FA Cup conversation is interesting because I'm I'm just gonna go out and say it. We don't have the depth to compete in the FA Cup and compete in the Premier League at a high level. And so the manager is forced to make a decision, and I think the Premier League is always going to be priority, and I think it should be priority. I mean, I remember one year, I believe it was West Bromwich Albion. Um, I, I could be wrong. I don't actually. I don't think it was West Brom, but somebody won the FA Cup and got relegated from the Premier League. <laughs> so my my whole point is, if you prioritize that. We just don't have the depth. I don't like seeing um, guys like Agbana who Ogbonna at worst is the second name on the team sheet when David Moyes fills it out at worst. Yeah. He's probably first. I don't like seeing him go down in a game that I feel, in all honesty, doesn't have the value that a Premier League game does. And so th- that's just a, a big thing. That I say, and I, you know, it's just the American focal point that I have. I understand that there is magic in the FA Cup. I understand it has brought some of the most beautiful moments in football um, in England. You know, some of the most beautiful Cinderella stories are in that, and I get it. But overall, for me, I, I'm not disappointed to see his exit. I, I do agree with you. I like, I would like to see Mark Noble play more, and I know that without FA Cup games, it's gonna be even less. And I understand that. But the fact of the matter is, I would much rather beat Sheffield than Man United in the FA Cup. And that's exactly what we saw um, that next game. Uh, We got a beautiful 3-0 win. And and, and Liam, not one, but we were awarded two penalties. Now, only one of them counted. Only one of them (laughs) counted. But we were awarded two penalties, obviously, the West Ham Way states that you know, the Premier League called and said, hey, uh, West Ham got a penalty. We got to look at this. This can't be right. And sure as shit, they found something to point out. Um, you know, our boy Craig Dawson, who loves to get forward as a defender, got a little overzealous, wasn't in an offside position. I'm not arguing with the call. So obviously our penalty goes away. And, and you know, Manchester City and Liverpool are like, okay, everything's okay in the world. Liver, You know, man, uh, West Ham did not get their penalty. Thank God we can function. Um Sure as shit, though, the ball never lies. Uh, Jesse Lingard on a breakaway later gets absolutely taken out. Um, very interesting moment before that penalty. Lingard yeah. had the ball in hand, and our captain on the pitch, Declan Rice, came up, took the ball from him. And I remember thinking to myself watching the game, if you're going to take the ball off somebody, you better fucking make it. <laughs> you yeah. better you better make it. And, and I would, look, I was shocked it was Declan taking the penalty. I really was. Um, I think there's things about Declan Rice's game, as good as a player that he is. I think there's things that we as supporters don't actually know that they know that they see on the training ground. Um, he's starting to take more free kicks. Um, yeah. He's starting, he looks like he's the designated penalty taker if Mark Noble's not on the pitch. Um, so um, obviously he slots at home brilliantly placed penalty. It was a great job by him. First person to congratulate him was the man. He took the ball off Jesse Lingard. Then from that point on West Ham kind of kicked on, they weathered a little bit of a storm from Sheffield. Um, But Sheffield, there's a reason they're in dead last uh, Liam. They, they don't finish their chances. Um, You know, (laughs) they're they're pretty good in between the 18s, but they don't finish their chances. Then obviously West Ham earn a corner. I, I mean, We have to talk about the brilliance of Aaron Cresswell this year. We have to. Aaron Cresswell um, leads the Premier League and assists by defenders with now six as he puts in a brilliant cross. Uh, Diop gets on the head of it. And say what you want about Diop as a defender. Man, is he good going in the air. He is very (laughs) good, beautifully placed uh, header to give us a 2-0 lead. Then obviously bringing a substitute later in Ryan Frederick's And Ryan Fredericks, I didn't know he had it in him, but slotted one hell of a shot and put it down into the corner uh, and scored a goal for us to give us a 3-0 win just to pad that goal differential um, because we knew Chelsea were playing later, and they had a, I believe, going into the game, they had a nine-goal cushion Mm -hmm. on us. Um, And so he knocked it all the way down to six, which was uh, very nice there. So West Ham get a beautiful 3-0 win, but the story of that game, Liam for me, was not the scoreline, not the fact that we got a penalty. It was the choice in lineup that David Moyes went with. He reverted back to the 3-5-2-1 that he was using yeah. er- earlier in the season, and man, did it work again. And there was no Arthur Masawaku out there, and it still worked. What were your thoughts on this game? And specifically, after you talk about the game, tell me what you thought about that lineup.
0: Sure thing. So to, to start off, um, I, I was getting flashbacks to oh god, was it Bradford when uh Decanio and uh Lampard Jr. are arguing over the ball. Lampard's supposed to take the penalty, and because Decanio had been taken down, I want to say it was like two or three times with no penalty called, he had even asked Harry Redknapp to substitute him. Harry was basically like a trash back on the pitch. Um <laughs> And, and, uh, so Decanio and like Frank are arguing over the ball. And I was like, oh my God, we're going to have that moment again, but it's going to be Jesse Lingard and Declan Rice. And then I'm thinking about him like, there's no way Declan is going to pull a Decanio right now. Like there's no way he's going to be like an absolute dick about it. And I loved that, uh, Declan, uh, clarified after the match, right. Where he talked about that. He basically walked up to Jesse and was like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm designated for the penalties. Like. Uh, you know, if I let you take this, they're going to say that I got bullied on the field and they're never going to let me live this down. And I I want to take this penalty. So Jesse gave it up to him. And like you said, I was glad that Jesse was the first one really to run over there and congratulate him. I think that was incredibly important to show the team spirit. Uh, but I'll be honest, man, I had those, I had those flashbacks and I was like, okay, if they're going to argue over it, as long as we still win, like that, that's fine. But you're right. Like you have to bury that. If you're going to Try to take the ball, and I would have thought Jesse would have been the go-to guy for the for the penalty. I was actually really, really surprised that they let Declan take it. Even the first one, the penalty they got called back, uh, I was surprised to see Declan holding the ball and and setting it up. Like for me, I'm like, okay, like Lanzini, uh, Lingard, I mean, Cresswell, like any any of those guys to me are probably going to be ahead of Declan. Fuck! I'll probably put Craig Dawson on, on the on the spot before I'm going to put Declan on. So, um, well, can you can it, you head
1: it in from the penalty spot? Can you do that? Because that's what I, that's what Dawson would have to do.
0: I would have loved it if Dawson like Penguin slid into the ball to like hit it with his head. I think that would have been super cool. But, yeah, I mean, I, I was just glad that, that Deck buried it. I think it's good for his confidence, helps reinforce the fact that, you know, when Mo- Noble's not on the pitch, Declan is the captain. He is the, the man in charge. Um, and I, I think that the goals were coming. I, we absolutely had goals coming in this game. It's just we looked lethal. We looked great on the counterattack. Um, you know, your main question at the end there, the, this lineup, I loved it. Man, like from the get- go, when you really look at you know, even having Ben Johnson over uh Ben Rama over on that left hand side um and and really think about it, Johnson's a right footer, but I thought he did amazing over on that wing. I thought him as a wing back. I liked it way more than when he was playing either a right-back or right-wing-back. I thought he did really well on the left. I thought he, him and Cresswell worked pretty well together. Um, I, I still think when Masuaku is fully fit, he probably takes back that starting position, um, even over Ben Rama. Like, I'm probably going to put Masuaku out there first. Um, but yeah, I, I thought they, I, I thought if anything... Um, Sioux Fall didn't look quite as comfortable as the wing back as what he typically looks in the back four. I think he does a little bit better in the back four than he did um, actually having to bomb up and down as a wing wingback. Uh, but I thought the back three hybrid back five was great. I thought Lanzini did a fantastic job, you know, right from the get-go. It, it, you know, it wasn't anything where... You know, he was hammering shot after shot on goal or slipping, you know, Bowen in all the time, but he did enough to keep us active in that final third, which at the end of the day, that's what's important. That's what you need your attacking midfielders to do. I thought Bowen did great up at the top of the box. Uh, You know, yeah, he didn't get his goal, but I thought he led the line well. I thought that there were several times where he was able to cut through those center backs. Just unlucky. I think uh, there was some report saying that he's actually been sick the last several weeks, um, and he's only just now getting over whatever it was, is some sort of like chest cold or something. So I could see that definitely playing a part in um, sort of the dip in quality that we've seen from him in, in the more recent weeks. But I think little things like this are what's going to build his confidence. And at the end of the day, man, like even against Spurs, I would be fine with that same starting lineup. Like, yeah, I would definitely prefer Ogbana over Diop. And part of me would kind of think if Balbuena's 100% fit, maybe i probably put Balbuena. Over Diop, just because even though Diop is probably the better of the three in the box to get on a header, I think Balbuena makes less mistakes uh, than Diop does.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you're. I think it's a good shout. Um, I I would rather see a back four against Spurs. Reason being is because that means Antonio's fit, and yeah. if Antonio's up top, that's the player I really want there. Although I wouldn't mind seeing a back three. I. To me, the key to beating Spurs is having Antonio. Yeah, um, I think we're going to need him. I I disagree with you a little bit on Bowen. I think Bowen did a decent job. I wouldn't think he played well. Um, I, I think Bowen proved to me in that game he's not a, a he's not comfortable leading the line. I think he doesn't read the game as well as a player like Mikel Antonio did, or if you throw it back to a guy like Andy Carroll. And I think we're all sitting here going right now, man, if we would have hung on to Andy Carroll, we might be okay right now. Yes. He's not Mikel Antonio, but Andy Carroll, uh, served a purpose at great hold-up play. Um, you know, he was a baby giraffe running around out there. We understand that, but, um, I, I, I have to, I have to say this for there's something West Ham have right now that we haven't had since I've been rooting for West Ham United, which is the first year in the championship under Sam Allardyce. Um, Liam, we have a plan B
0: and it's good.
1: It's a damn good plan B and it works. Um, yes, we're not going to be as potent at scoring goals in our plan B, but what team is in their plan B? That's why it's your plan B. Um, so I, I think Bowen has proven that he should be the guy that if, if you don't have Antonio Bowen is that guy, but it, it seemed like the team understood what Bowen was. They understood he, Bowen is not Antonio. He's not yeah. going to brute and, and, and muscle people. Um, yep. so they, you know, play in a lot of those one twos, uh, getting that opportunity. Lingard really, I mean, all right. Let's be honest on Lingard here. I see all these people talking about how great Lingard is. And I just want to say pump the fucking brakes. Okay. <laughs> Lingard has played three games, two good ones, one shitty one. Okay. He did not play well against Fulham, but here in in retrospect, nobody really did. Nobody, yeah. nobody going forward in that game played all that well. Lingard struggled in that game. And that's is that really on Lingard or is that more credit to Fulham for just fighting and clawing for everything that they had. They are led by Scott Parker. Let's not forget that. Okay. Former West Ham, great Scotty Parker is leading Fulham. And so if they play, if they're, if he's coaching them, like he played for us, no wonder they're starting to turn it around. Um, yeah. So when I look at it and I think, you know, absolute masterclass on the choice in uh formation, Um, I think his choices in the lineup were brilliant. I really like the way Lanzini played. Um, I thought Lanzini is really settling into this distributing role. And he's, he's really starting to kind of understand what Moyes is. If he's going to have a future at West Ham, that's what it's going to be. He's not going to be scoring a lot of goals, but he should be setting up a lot of goals. And he might be the guy that, you know, is pinging balls all over the field. He made a pass in that game where he got it, sent it clear to the other side, maybe a 40, 50-yard pass through the air. And I remember turning to everybody in the pub going, that's why Lanzini's got to play. That's yeah. what Lanzini gives you that Pablo Fornals does not. You yeah. know? And I look, I love Jared Bowen, but Jared Bowen doesn't have the vision of Lanzini. He's got the pace over Lanzini, but Lanzini's just vision is very brilliant. Now, I'm not going to go Lanzini crazy again. I know I tend to do that. But... I look at this and I got to tell you right now, the fact that this team now has two distinct ways to beat you. That means every manager in the prem now has to prepare two game plans based on what we do. That means we're dictating the game before we even get out there. Yeah. I, I love what, what's happening right now. Absolutely love it. And that the- okay. Oh.
0: But I, I was going to say, sorry, real quick. But I think that the biggest thing here too is that when we had to switch from the back five to the back four after Masawaku went down, um, it was it seemed to me like managers were able to figure us out a little bit more. It felt like the games were a little bit closer every time we were playing in the back four. I mean, other than the 3-1 win over Aston Villa a couple weeks ago. And now with this game, us going back to that back five, I feel like other clubs really struggle with managing that. I don't think that, I think that they they have their game plan and the back four that we employed against Fulham didn't really work. And you could see how Fulham had planned for that. I think had we, had we come out in a back five, I think that game would have gone drastically different because you could see how well it worked against um uh Sheffield and you're right like McGoldrick definitely was not clinical in front of Cole. like he had several chances and either skipped it wide or you know put it directly on frame right into Fabianski's hands and that's not to take anything against Lucas because he absolutely had some massive saves in that game to keep us uh on a clean sheet uh but I really I that's why as much as I like the idea of the back four, I think the back five is harder for teams to, to prepare for. And we have the tools on the wings to really overwhelm those channels. And when you have Rice and Suchek in the middle and then Dawson behind them, man, that's a, that's a brick wall people got to run through. And if the rumors are true and Harry Kane is injured and not going to be in for this match, I mean, that's... That's what do you, you only have to plan for sun at that point. So I, I like the back five, but I completely understand where you're coming from with that back four to be able to allow a little bit more uh, bodies in the, in the attack.
1: Yeah. I I mean, you're, you're, I'm going to be a hundred percent honest. I'm confident with whatever David Moyes chooses right now. I'm a hundred percent confident. I just know that we don't beat Spurs unless Antonio's up front.
0: Yes, and, and
1: that—that's just my opinion. It's not that I don't think Jared Bowen can't come in and do a job. I think he absolutely can. I think he proved that against Sheffield. But let's be hundred percent honest. Tottenham aren't Sheffield. It's a much better no, team. Their Tottenham's defense is is way better than theirs, and they have a better goalie in in between the pipes. So yeah. it's. I think it would be even tougher sledding for Bowen to lead the line. But if Bowen has to lead the line, which, let's be honest, Liam, it's a possibility. If he has to yes. lead the line, I don't. it's not like I turn around and go, well, we can't win. I just don't think we have as big of a chance to win, and I think it's more likely to see a draw. I think right now West Ham are playing better football than Tottenham. And because of yep. that, I think Tottenham have to prepare for us. We don't have to prepare for them.
0: And the only thing is remember look it's at this. remember it's Mourinho though, and he's the chosen one, right? So he I think he's gonna go out there still thinking like his shit don't stink, but like they've won once in their last five matches, and the other four were all losses. We've only had one loss in our last five. I mean, and, and it was to fucking Liverpool. Like the to me, I I would think that Mourinho's gonna go out there. Like, if it's me, I'm going to game plan against West Ham. I'm going to go, okay, well, I know what their plan A is. I know what their plan B is. So I'm going to have something ready for both of them. But I think Mourinho's going to, I think he's too prideful. And he's going to go out there thinking, my shit don't stink. I'm going to run my game plan. Let Moyes try to figure me out. And I, I think that will be the downfall. I think, you know, for, for all points and purposes, the lineup that we had, I would be comfortable running that out again, even with Ben Johnson on the wing. There, which I mean, I you know, he's I thought he played out of his his fucking shoes in that match, but I, I still think he's a little bit green, but I just thought the chemistry, they just blended so well, you know, from from front to back, left to right. My change, I'm with you. I absolutely put Antonio at the top to lead the line, even if he's not 90 minutes fit. You could still get a good 60-65, then either bring in Bowen or, fuck it, man, bring in Ryan Fredericks. That dude's been been awesome. Why not fucking throw him up top? He's got the pace.
1: Leave leave it to Liam to be a prisoner of the moment. Now now the second best striker on the team is Ryan Fredericks.
0: Hey, hey, I didn't say second best on the team, but in the last several games, he's got one more goal than Bowen does, so... (laughs)
1: I, you're, you're right. And I, and I, I see your point on Mourinho and you're, it's not that you think he will do it. He will do it. That's what he's done his whole career. That's what, that's why he doesn't last longer than two or three seasons at a club no. is because his refusal to change. But I will say this, you know, who doesn't refuse to change David Moyes, yep. David, David Moyes has been an absolute masterclass and now you're going to hear it out of my mouth. And I have to say this for the first time, it's going to be legit. And I mean it. Um, I've even gone on premier league fan zone, shout out to that show (laughs) and defended, defended how I feel about David Moyes and been made fun of in front of all of England and, and looked at like a crazy person. I'm admitting to everybody, all seven of you that listen to this podcast, I'm I'm admitting to you (laughs) right now.
0: I was wrong.
1: (laughs) I was wrong. (laughs) David Moyes is the right man for this job. I think it is limitless, and this is the best compliment I can give him. It is limitless to what he can achieve with this club. He has found a way to work with arguably, outside of Newcastle, maybe the toughest board to deal with in all of the Premier League. He's found a way to um, make lemonade out of a bunch of lemons um, he's found he's he's breathed new life into players that have since been forgotten about and he's done it twice at West Ham United now. Yeah. Um I was wrong. I was wrong, Liam. Um he is a guy that I, I'm he no longer looks like a draw to me. He just looks like a sweet, sweet soul with where there's original <laughs> in a pocket. Um I I'm pretty sure his wife is absolutely stunningly beautiful. She's lucky to be with somebody like David Moyes. We could all wish that our spouse is like David Moyes. Yes. Um, True. true. You know, I, I just, I want to atone and apologize for every mistake that I have made on this podcast since the hiring of David Moyes, since yelling at him to stay home when he caught COVID since yelling, uh, since yelling at West Ham United about dating an ex girlfriend, well, this ex girlfriend has changed, and maybe we were the problem, not him. Maybe right. it was us. You know, this is definitely. Look, it's not you; it's me, it, David. It was definitely me, and I and I Man, apologize.
0: Think about all the red cards you have to take back now for that you've given him throughout this entire season. I mean, that's like. What, we're 16 episodes in. That's 16 red cards that you have to retract for fucking David Boyce. But uh, I I think you're you're spot on, man. Like, yeah, because you're, you're the dude that will hold his hands up, you know, admit when you've made a mistake, even when it is the most blundering, absent-minded, dipshit, fucking nonsensical mistake that any person could possibly. No. You know what, though? I'll, uh, this is why I give you somewhat of a pass on this, because I feel like, we sat here on this podcast giving Pellegrini every opportunity to try to prove us wrong. We we're like, oh, okay, well, he didn't get it right this time. Oh, okay, you didn't get it right this time. Oh, but it's Manuel Pellegrini. We'll get it right next time. I sat on the fucking fence forever before I finally was like, yo, Pellegrini out, man. Like, I've seen enough. The dude can't fucking hack it. He does not have this team uh, firing on all cylinders. He doesn't have anybody's ear in this locker room. So I think we we were kind of hard done in by Pellegrini that when Moyes came back, we were like, oh, here we go again. Like, you know, Shitsville, you know, part two, but it just, you know, I think that with Moyes, he, you know, after, after uh, the Wolves match and Leicester, that's when I was like, oh shit, like this is different. This is a very different team. This is a very different David Moyes. And it would be different if you know, we were, we hit fifth or we hit fourth and then we slid back down the table and we were in like 10th, right? I think we could be a bit more critical of him if we were sitting in mid table or bottom half of the table. But this is m- over a month now. We've been sitting up here in like fifth and sixth, sometimes fourth place. Like that's huge. So, you know, credit where credit's due. Like he absolutely did the job that he was brought in for. And I, you, you put it perfectly. The, it's limitless what this guy could potentially take us to. Do I think we'll win the league? I mean, not unless Man City really slips on a banana peel and starts tumbling, but I think we challenge any of those other spots. So I'm, and, I'm fucking happy with it.
1: And I and that that brings me to my next question, Liam.
0: Yeah. We have to
1: look at this. So listen to the table right now. Obviously, Manchester City sitting at the top. They're 10 points clear with 56. Yeah. Their goal differential is insane. I don't even want to get into that. It's so a um, plus 32. It's fucking obnoxious. Plus 34, actually. Fuck. (laughs) Um, Then you have Manchester United sitting at 46 points. We're only four points off second place. (laughs) We are... I I, I want everybody to understand something. Yes, winning the league is probably not an option, but we could finish second. I'm telling you, like, it's within the realm of possibility. So hear me out here. Listen. West Ham United lost to Manchester United 3-1 when we played them in the Prim. And yes, we just lost to them again in the FA Cup. But if you remember in that game in the Prim, we dominated the first half, had a one-nil lead, probably should have been up 3-0 in all yeah. honesty. Like, we should have. We just didn't capitalize on our chances. They brought in Bruno Fernandez. Change the game. Bruno is arguably one of the best players in the Prem. He's going to have an impact on the game, and they win the game 3 1. Manchester United, we've now seen them twice. We're ready for them when we see them again, and we will. We have one more opportunity to play them. Behind them sit Leicester City. We dominated them when we play them 3 0. They don't match up well with us, okay? Nope. They don't. Behind them is Chelsea. Now, look. Chelsea, when we played them, we did not play a good game, and they took it to us. Um, and right now, I, I'm curious, but they Chelsea now have a different manager. They're running a different style. So we don't know how that style matches up with us. Behind us is Liverpool. We don't have to deal with them anymore. We're done with Liverpool. Yep. So therefore, we're, there's no situation that li- we can play Liverpool and they can gain points on us. Now, they're just... Now it's just results chasing at this point with them. Behind them is Everton, who we have to play one more time, but we beat Everton. So remember, now granted, it was a late goal by Thomas Suchek that won that game for us. Behind them are Aston Villa. We're done with Aston Villa, and we have two victories over them. And yes, Aston Villa have two games in hand, but even if Aston Villa win both those games, they're they're above us on goal differential, but that's it. Behind that, we have Tottenham and Arsenal. And honestly, I'm telling you right now, even with a loss to Arsenal and a draw against Tottenham, neither one of those teams come close to us. They still remain five points back minimum. So when you look at where West Ham are sitting and the games they have left with teams, we have a legit opportunity to be as high as second in the table. So I'm going to ask you this question and be realistic. Look, I, I've told you that we're, we're, we're admitting now on the show, unless Manchester City just fucking shit the bed and drop <laughs> five in a row, you know, uh, it's, not very, it's not likely that anybody's going to catch them. And the only team that really has, the sh- only two teams that could catch them, and it's a long shot if they do, are Manchester United and Leicester. Those are really the only two that have a legit shot to do it, and I don't even think it's that legit. So I'm asking you right now, looking at the table and knowing what West Ham have coming up. Um, Let's remember, we play on Sunday. We have Tottenham. Then the next Saturday, we have Manchester City. Then we have Leeds, Man United, and Arsenal. So four of our next five are against the traditional top six. We're going to find out who West Ham are in these next five games. We really are. You know, if if we walk through these next five games and we get 15 points, well then, yeah, we might talk about winning the league at that point. But I don't think that's a likely scenario. So what do you think uh, is a legitimate opportunity here for West Ham as we come into what I think is going to be the most telling part of our season?
0: Well, uh, I'm actually going to reference a Sky Sports article that was put out earlier today um, where they actually revealed a predicted final Premier League table and based on uh, these are the current goals goals scored, conceded, and points per game, uh, the final table would be Man City, Man United, Leicester, Chelsea, us, and then Liverpool. Which means Liverpool misses out. We qualify for Europa, and then Arsenal and Spurs struggle with Tottenham finishing at ninth and Arsenal finishing at tenth. So yeah, they've still finished in the top half of the table, but they miss out on, on any European qualify, uh, qualifications. So, yeah, I think it's totally within the realm for us to finish fourth. Um, you know, I think that Chelsea for sure has gotten the, uh, the new manager boost, if you will. Uh, I think Tuchel definitely has the, the potential to keep them, uh, you know, at least neck and neck with us uh, throughout the rest of their season. I haven't done a deep dive on what the remainder games that they have left, but I know, I mean, obviously we face them one more time. Uh, but I I think there is the distinct possibility that we walk away with at least a point, if not a win, um, because I think in that Chelsea game, that scoreline was misleading. Like, yeah, we didn't play well, but I thought that the first half we were fantastic and it was just we fell apart in the second, kind of similar to what happened to us against Manchester United. And when we don't capitalize on our chances, that's when we we pay the price. Um, Luckily against teams like Fulham, right, where they don't have that same quality in the final third that we didn't, uh, succumb to, to any kind of late goals, uh, that we probably would have in the past. But for me, man, like, I really do think that a top four finishes is, is probably not just achievable. I think that's the highest, that's the most likely scenario for me that I I think it probably stays pretty close to where it is where Man City, they'll finish out high. I think that. Uh, Man United finishes in second. And then I really think it's us or Leicester for third. And then whoever doesn't get third gets forced fourth. I don't think Chelsea's sustainable. I don't think they quite have that rhythm even under a new manager. I think that we are that team to beat. I think we are the team that so many other teams have to look at and go, well, fuck, we have to prepare for West Ham. And like you said earlier, like we still face Leicester one more time and I think we beat them. So it's, it, to me, absolutely a top four finish. If not, I mean, we definitely finish at least in sixth. I'm saying like sixth is a low spot for us.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now, um, I've, I've gone over this. Um, I've been thinking about it for a couple of days now and I'm, I'm a firm believer And yes, I've been drinking Kool-Aid all goddamn day. (laughs) Um, so I'm going to admit that right now. Um, I'm telling you guys right now, I, I look at the table and I I'm looking at matchups. I'm not looking at inform. I'm looking at how we match up. Well, we match up decently well against Manchester city. Remember we drew against them. Yep. Okay. So I think we can get another point off them. I do not think we match up well with Man United. I just don't. I think Man United, um, they just do things that, that are better than we do. And, um, I think that where their best players are match up with our best players and they kind of neutralize those guys. So I don't like our matchup against uh, Manchester United. I think we are a better team than Leicester. I think if we don't have kind of a poor start to the season um, and you know we play better against Newcastle and we don't make that late mistake against Arsenal, I think we're above uh, Leicester right now <laughs> in the table. That's just me being honest, and I think it took us a lot. We, we started the Premier League season tripping on a rock, and then we had to get ourselves up, and now we've been rolling ever since. Um, Chelsea, I don't like our matchup against them. I, I'll just be 100% honest. I think West Ham United will finish, I and I'm going on record, I think we finish fourth is where I put us, and at the absolute lowest, I think it's fifth. I don't think sixth is even a realm of possibility just because of the, the games we've already played and what we have left. Everybody needs to understand every premier league team has a gauntlet run in their season. This is ours coming up right now. Four of our next five games are against Manchester city, Tottenham, Manchester United and Arsenal. So those are four of our next five. We got leads sandwiched in there. So, What I'm going to say and leads aren't a you know leads are the best of the worst right now they're in 11th, so they're second second page of the table best team on the second page. The way I look at it, if West Ham can go through these next five games, Liam, and get 10 points, yeah, we're going to finish fourth. That that's what I think it's going to take. West Ham have to get 10 points. That means that means we beat Tottenham. We get a draw against City. We beat Leicester. I mean, no, we beat Leeds. Um, I think we dropped to Man United. I think that's, that's a loss. And then we pick up the, you know, we beat Arsenal. And then I think, I think there it is right there. There's your 10 points. And I think they got through it and they did a great job. But, I mean, really, West Ham United, that's, that's the team that I think we have. I think we're good enough to finish in fourth. And I would say best-case scenario is third. That's best yeah. case scenario. Yeah. Um, reason why I say we can't get to second is because we do have to deal with you know Chelsea and Man United, which I do believe are two worst matchups. I think that, yeah. I don't think we match up well with those teams. Well, and so, I think
0: and, and just looking at the lineup, the the matchups right now, Leicester still has to face uh, Manchester United twice. They haven't played them yet this season, so that's going to be two very difficult matches. And it will really determine Leicester's ability to maintain their position in third. Because, you know, if if Liverpool does get their, their head out of their asses and are able to push on, for me, that's probably the likely top three. And then it's us, Chelsea, and Leicester battling for fourth. That's the way I kind of look at it.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a great shout. And you look at this, and we're talking about this team, and I think for the first time we can confidently say this. You look at this team right now, and normally – at this time, most West Ham supporters are looking at the end of the season and what we need to add, or we're talking about where we're going to find points so it don't get releg- relegated. Yeah. So we don't have to worry about relegation. I think we're safe. I think. Oh yeah, mathematically yeah. we're safe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think. I think we've officially been safe. Um, so I, I'm going to ask you this question: West Ham United did not spend any money in the January transfer window. Okay except for making Ben Harama a permanent deal and able to bring Lingard on. But I don't really count that because the player was already with us. It was just kind of making moves to bring in Lingard, which has obviously been a smart call. So obviously David Moyes, and the story has come out, that David Moyes did not want to spend money in January unless it was on the right player, which the right player was not available. So David Moyes chose to pocket that money and was told by the board. Now, granted, this is all from you know, reports that you have to kind of piece together. So I'm not saying that, you know, we have insider information, but it kind of looks right now that he is planning to save money to make a little bit of a splash move in the uh, summer transfer window. So Liam, what are we lacking here at West Ham United? What are the holes that we have? So what what do you think we need to go spend money on? Because I was looking at our team and I was looking at them Pretty hard. I was like, okay, where do we need to upgrade? So I want to ask you, like, what do you think we need to do? And obviously, keeping into consideration there, you know, look at our lone players like Craig Dawson, uh, Jesse Lingard. Do we make those guys permanent, either one of them? Um, what, what do you think are the right moves for West Ham United in this summer transfer window?
0: I think both of those ones for sure. I make them both permanent. I think Dawson's been fantastic. I think he was very underrated by myself included, you know, as well as a lot of other uh, West Ham fans. Uh, Lingard, I know like you said it's only been 3 matches and one out of the 3 he didn't play all that well but Sheffield man he was a man on fire I kept saying like dude Jesse has jets man like he could just bomb up the field and that's the type of player we need we need somebody other than just Mickey Antonio that has pace um for honestly for me I'm I'm probably not looking at much uh in terms of replacing anybody that's like a first team player I'm I'm looking at depth and you have said this numerous times, so I'm going to actually take a page out of your book. We need backup for Declan and Thomas Suchek. We do not have another clear-cut defensive midfielder other than Mark Noble, and we've seen him uh, do really well in cup games, but not always perform the best when it comes to uh, the league games. I think he did well coming in uh, against Sheffield United, but I think we kind of already had that game in the bag, so it wasn't really like we needed him to come out and make like a huge, huge impact. Um, you know, I think for comfort levels I'm probably I'm probably going to look for maybe one more wing back, especially if you could find somebody who's versatile versatile like a Ben Johnson um or Ryan Fredericks that can play both right or left. Um and then you need a backup striker to Mickey Antonio. Like for me cuz think about it, before we used to always argue is now's quality enough to maintain a starting position. We're not even having that conversation anymore because Jesse Lingard is obviously the go-to Attacking midfielder. Like, if you need a box-to-box midfielder that's not going to be uh, saddled with defensive duties, like Thomas Sutcek and Declan Rice, Jesse Lingard is absolutely that player. Um, with Masuaku coming back fit, Ryan Fredericks on the come up. I think with Bo- uh, Jared Bowen plays the way he needs to. Ben Ra- Ben Rama's been uh, improving every single game. I think we almost have enough enough depth at midfield, and that's not even mentioning Lanzini at this point. So for me, yeah, I'm going to say we need the only midfielder I'm going to say is we need one more defensive midfielder for depth, maybe one more wing back and a striker. What about you, man? So I, I, I'm a little different, but I have to give you credit. I
1: think you're, you're pretty much spot on and it's one of the few times on the show that you have been. So congratulations
0: for you on that. But uh, do you have any more thoughts on Moyes real quick? (laughs) You know, before you try to shit on me there, buddy. (laughs) Oh God! I and, and and then you win the
1: argument when you drop that. So. <laughs> um, here, here's my thing. This is just because I've seen this song and dance. All right, Craig Dawson. Let's bring him up right now. He's been brilliant. I think, I think Craig Dawson is the one that I would let walk. I would let him go back. Reason Boo. why? <laughs> reason why is I like what we have at center back. And I'm not saying that we don't uh, need to keep him. Um, you know, he's relatively cheap and I could totally understand him doing it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove my point here of, of the loans that we have between Dawson and Lingard, I would let Dawson walk if we could keep Lingard, if that's what it takes to, because, you know, here's my problem with the Lingard situation. The only way we get Lingard is if Lingard makes it clear he wants to stay at West Ham. Like he has to want to be there. And I don't know if that player is going to want to be there if we don't qualify for European football. You know, I just don't think he will. Now, I think there's a really good shot that we will qualify. So I understand that. But I, I look at the situation and I say this What do West Ham need? Well, Liam, you already said it. We really don't need starters, we need depth. The number one priority for me is a backup striker for Mikel Antonio. That is without question the number one thing. And I and I, and if I'm David Moyes, I'm I'm not going to buy a guy that, you know, is going to come in and start. I'm going to go buy a guy that understands that he's going to have to compete with Mikel Antonio. But we all know Mikel's number one. Like Mikel has to be the number one guy. Um, and you got to bring in a guy, which to me saves you a little bit of cash, allows you to go for a little bit of a younger player to take a little bit of a risk on somebody. And then there's no pressure on them to come in and be the man, which has normally been the case. Anytime West Ham bring in any transfer over 20 million, they have to come in and immediately start. And if they're not ready, they get exposed and the fans are on their back. And our fans, um, sometimes can be some of the worst when it comes to stuff like that. And, you know, you want a player to to spring on and have an opportunity to get a platform to play without the pressure. And I think Mikael Antonio likes the pressure, and he's a fan favorite. And so we put him out there. So that that's number one. Number two, and this is where I spend a little bit more money than the striker. I go buy a guy that absolutely can compete with Declan and can compete with Thomas Suchek. And let me tell you why and i'm not trying to be pessimistic i am afraid that somebody's going to turn declan's head in the summer and if they do i hope that they bring somebody in that can fill that role and fill it as well as declan did which may be really hard to do but that should be the goal and then every other player that i buy from that point on is for depth like i would let dawson go because i like diop i like balbuena um i like ogbana but if you can afford to keep Dawson, by all means. But my thing is, if I'm prioritizing it, Lin, if, if of the transfers, Lingard is much more valuable to me. You keep him on. Yeah. And here's the other thing. I'm also going to say this. We've talked about Pablo Fournells, and we've talked about maybe he's just not good enough. Well, I think I, I'm going to give myself a little credit here. I think I was right. I think that's why you bring in a Lingard. I think David Moyes knew that. He knew, but he, the one thing he knew about Fornals is I can put him out there and he's going to run his socks off and put in a shift. And so whatever deficiencies he may have, he's going to make those hustle plays that will make up for it, which was absolutely true. But then when you throw in Lingard and now you have Lingard and Bowen on opposing sides with you know, Ben Arama or Lanzini in that central creative role and Antonio up front, now you get to really see what our attacking four can do. I mean, the one game they were on the field together, wow, they were dangerous. Um, yeah, agreed. You know, so I look at it that way, and then you that, that allows you to make Fornals a squad player, which is probably the level that he is, and I'm not trying to be mean to him. He absolutely can come in and put in a shift, and he can play good football for us. But I think Lingard needs to be on the priority list. I'm just curious – what, what do you value more, keeping Lingard or getting a solid backup striker? Like, I know that sounds strange. Like, it should clearly be Lingard. But you have to remember, if Lingard goes back to Man United and he doesn't want to stay here, I'm starting to feel confident with Fornals out there. I know we're not as dangerous. So I kind of go maybe a backup striker is a better option. But I, I think it's a nice issue that we're having, Liam. It's a nice issue because we're not in this situation where we go, we're two or three players away. No, we have the team that can compete for the league. We have a better start to the season. We're a team within 10 to eight points of Manchester city right now. Yeah. That's just a fact.
0: And I think it's, it's interesting too, because you know, you bring up a good point that when you look at Lingard's performances so far, and, you know, like you said, the Fulham game obviously wasn't good, but nobody really pl- played well that day. Um, you know, and think about it too, both times we played Manchester United, we did not have Jesse Lingard a- as an option. Like, obviously he wasn't even on our loan uh, the first time we played Manchester United, and we were he wasn't eligible to play because he had already been cup-tied to Manchester United from previous in the season. So this next time we play them, he should be able to be on the pitch. You know, I mean, unless there was some sort of agreement behind that because he's a low knee, he can't play against his his home club. That's the only other, the thing that I can think of. But I think, you know, I almost don't even look at the Manchester United game as a, uh, an automatic loss for us. I absolutely think that is still a winnable game. And if we are able to play with Jesse Lingard on the pitch, that's... I think that's just another point in our favor. I mean, that's somebody that has absolutely made a huge impact, has uh, been impactful for the, the players that are around him as well, and it has given us more options when it comes to depth. Because you could easily do, you know, like if you do your preferred back four, and you have Mickey Antonio up at the top, Lingard as, you know, sort of that attacking midfielder, number 10, maybe even a false nine behind him, and then Benarama and Bowen on either side, that means you still have Fornals, Lanzini, uh, Ben Johnson, Fredericks, Mark Noble. You still have a ton of different players that you could potentially build, bring in to relief those guys if they've run themselves ragged throughout the throughout the match. So, I mean, I like it. I... I my only concern is we have not had a good streak when it comes to bringing on Strikers. And with Jesse Lingard, he is already a proven quantity for us, right? We already know what Jesse Lingard brings to the table. So if the rumors are true and we can get him for between 10 and 15 mil, I'm definitely spending my money there first. And then I'm looking at my options for striker. Like we've we've been tied to this Uh, Yusuf N. Nasiri from uh, Sevilla, which looks like that's going to be a a hot target for us in the summer because apparently Sevilla is making moves to sign another striker. But I think we had already offered up like 40 mil and they turned it down. So I don't think I really want to go much higher for a striker that hasn't been proven already in the Premier League. Like I'd rather pick somebody that has already kind of shown the quality that they have and that they can compete in this league because we've seen what happens when you bring in a striker that performs well in a different league, a la Allaire, and then struggles here.
1: <laughs> I think you mean Danny Ings.
0: Danny, Danny Ings. Was, uh, Danny Ings, right? <laughs> the Ings of South Southampton's I would, finest. I would take Danny Ings. I would even take Callum Wilson. You know what I mean? Somebody that can put the ball in the back of the net. And I'm with you. You had said earlier about uh, keeping Andy Carroll. I wish we had. I would have been fine keeping Andy Carroll until he finished out his career because you could tell he wanted to be at West Ham.
1: I'm telling you right now, I don't want to bring in a 40 million pound striker from Sevilla that we're going to look at to be the starter. No, Mickey Antonio is our starter and we start him no matter what. Because look, here's what's funny. We've had the shittiest luck with strikers and a converted right back is our best option at striker (laughs) right now. And guess what? I want him there over anybody else. And our next best striker we've had was a converted winger in Marco and Yeah. So yeah. My, my whole point is going to be this. I don't want to bring in this guy from Sevilla. Go pay $18 million for Danny Ings who can come in and do a great job and and is going to be a perfect plan B striker for us. And he's a great guy to bring on every game when Antonio needs that blow after the 75th minute. And he's a great player to finish out games. He's going to score you seven to eight goals every year. He's going to find the back of the net. Um, And if Mikhail Antonio can get to double digits, that means you're getting 18 goals out of your striker. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good return. Um, And go spend that money on Jesse Lingard. I I just don't believe that this ten to fifteen million thing is real. I think Manchester United are going to jack that price up. And if you can go get Danny Ings on the cheap, who can do a job, and you go, we're all in on Mikel Antonio, which what you know, GSB, you should be. There's no reason you shouldn't be all in on him. Um, You gave him a contract. That's the guy. yeah, go get Danny Ings. You know, Josh King, you know, he 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 chose Everton. So be it. Okay? Fine. Danny Ings, they want to move him. Go get him. He is a he is a West Ham top. Look at him. Look at his face. He looks like the East End of <laughs> London. Okay. That's a guy we absolutely should bring in. He's played for big clubs like Liverpool. Um, the guy knows how to find the back of the net. That's why he's where he's at. So bring a guy like him in, spend your money on Lingard. I agree with you. Um, we We don't need a starting striker, guys. We need a backup for Antonio. We are clearly better when Antonio's on the pitch. so i I, I think you're I think you're hundred percent right. And you know, there's not much in the in the way of the transfer rumors. We pretty much gave it to you. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see what they do., uh, you know, just a couple of updates that we know. Um, it looks like Yarmolenko and Lanzini most likely be ed- exiting the club this summer. At least those yeah. are the stories floating around. I think Yarmo is way more likely than Lanzini. The fact that Lanzini started last week makes me wonder if maybe they're having second thoughts on that one. But I've said it on this show before. Everybody knows I'm a Lanzini freak. He's my favorite player. I've never denied that. But if you're not going to start him, you sell him. You know, I've said that. You know, you get you sell him on. Um, we can use those funds and invest them in other. Parts of the team.
0: Well, and keep in mind too, we still have Felipe Anderson, who's on loan at Porto. So once that's you know once the season finishes up and he gets his loan recalled, my guess would be that's another player that we probably unload. You, You know the the fact that Moyes has said on multiple occasions now that this summer will be a rebuilding. I actually anticipate there'll probably be a good amount of players that get shuffled out, and it will be anybody that we do not see consistently making. Uh, uh, appearances in that starting lineup. So uh, I would say that Anderson's gone, Yarmolenko's gone. Lanzini may have made a case for himself to to stay, and it depends on how um, how he factors into Moyes' long-term plans. Um, if he does like this idea of playing with like a false nine, then yeah, he's probably going to want more options, and Lanzini's absolutely one of those options, if we, especially if we can't get that backup stri- striker for Mickey that we're looking for.
1: Yeah, and I, I, if I put a percentage on it, Liam, I think there's a seventy percent chance Lanzini leaves. I think that's one? a that's that's a right right where I think it is. I think Yarmo is more like a ninety percent. I think Philippe is a hundred percent. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. In fact, you said his name and I had to think who he was. Uh, that's no, you're like Wait that's how minute. long it's been. Um. You know, it's just you know West Hammer in such a it's it's nice to feel this way. It really is, and it's nice to know that we're going into a big match this Sunday against Tottenham. Uh, you know, we're playing the Spuds at. You know, um, we get them at home. We don't have to go to Scheidhart Lane. They're coming to London Stadium. Uh, mm-hmm. Last time, last time we saw these two uh, teams play, we saw Lanzini hit a thunder cunt up into the upper yeah. right
0: of the uh,
1: of the goal, and um, you know, Lanzini loves loves himself a goal in a London derby. He yep. really does. Um, so I, I really hope, um, that we get to see West Ham beat Tottenham. I, I want to say over the past, you know, four years, I think our biggest wins have been against Tottenham. I remember the one at the London stadium where Lanzini hit the winner, uh, the one where Mikel Antonio scored the winner, um, at, at new Scheidt lane off the assist. The first of, bit. Yeah. First ever goal scored by an opposing team. Um, yes. First ever loss at the new stadium. We were the last ones to win at Highbury um, over yes. Arsenal. And we were the first ones to win at New at uh, New shiteheart Lane. I believe that's how <laughs> you say it at night. New Shite Lane, correct? Yeah, I think, like, I think that's... It's a strong on the shite. It's really strong yes. on the
0: shite. It, you, you have to put a lot of emphasis on that syllable. So, you know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, huge game. Um, it doesn't matter if we're in dead last or in first place. Anytime we play the Spuds... Massive game uh, to play those North North London uh, pre-Madonnas. Um, obviously, the East End is uh, is going to host the pre madonna so hopefully we'll make them leave crying and wondering why they didn't just go to the Harry Potter Museum on their way. Um, so <laughs> here it is. Hit me with uh, your starting 11 for this match. It's It's interesting now because we have a clear plan B, and it's a successful plan B. So now that we know this, what plan do you think he goes with?
0: So for me, I think he's probably going to do pretty similar to what we saw um, against uh, uh, Sheffield. I, I, I'm going to guess he's going to go with the back five now that he knows that he has the players that he can absolutely deploy uh, in that setup. I think that um, for me, I'm going with the back three of Dawson, Diop, and Cresswell. Uh, I'm going to use Sufal and Benrama as like the wingbacks, with obviously Suchek and Rice as the double pivot in the middle. Uh, in front of them, I'm going to have Bowen and Lingard. And then above that, it's going to be uh, Mickey Antonio. The only change that may occur because Bowen has been struggling recently and Lanzini's been doing better, um, you know, kind of kicking on from the start as opposed to coming in and being an impact player. Obviously, Barring the other time we fo- we, we faced Spurs, um, that might be the only changeup that I would see would be uh, Lanzini on for Bowen, and then Bowen comes in uh, off the bench. What about for you? So I'm going to have to give you two
1: because um, I, I do believe um, it's a little different. I agree with everything that you just said, um, except I think it'll be the exact same formation in this exact same lineup um, with Bowen up top um, and then the only change um that I think we may see um is possibly Ben Harama for Lanzini, um possibly. Yeah. But I do think he'll start Lanzini if he has to go with the the back three. And I think he does. If Antonio is fit, I think he reverts back to the back four. um, and I think your two uh, center backs are going to be Diop and Dawson, sure. Um, Flanked by Sufal and Cresswell, um, obviously. Uh, the double pivot stays the same with uh, Suchek and Rice. And then the four men forward, I think if he goes with it, I think it's Lingard on the left, Bowen on the right. This is if Antonio's fit. Antonio up top, I'm going to say he's going to start Lanzini in that middle. That's gotcha. Lanzini's preferred position. I think there was some definite chemistry between Lanzini, Lingard and Bowen when they were kind of playing those one, two threes uh, going forward and making runs. There was a little bit of disjointedness, but I think it was kind of one of those things you go, Oh, okay. That's what you want me to do. So the next game, if we stay together, it's going to even go better. So I, I really think Lanzini's going to get the start either way but I wouldn't be shocked if Ben Harama comes in for him. I wouldn't, because I think Ben Harama's played very well, and Ben Harama oh, yeah. is so close to getting a goal, and I would love yep. it for him to be his first one in a London derby. That would be great. Um, but that that's what I think. I think it it's all comes down to Mikel Antonio. If Antonio's fit, I think he goes back to the back four. I really does. But nice. I will admit, I think you are correct. I think the best formation to play is the back three with Antonio up top. I just don't know if he'll do it. Um, and right now I'm, I'm all in on David Moyes and Moyes, I trust. So (laughs) whatever you think, buddy, whatever you think I'm all in on, um, obviously, uh, what, what's your goal prediction for the game and who are your scores?
0: Um, so I, I would love to maintain another clean sheet. So I'm going to go with uh, a two nil, uh, to us, obviously I'm, I'm with you. I think Ben, uh, Ben Rama is absolutely due for a goal. And I think that, uh, I think that he absolutely will get one just from outside the box, a nice little curl uh, that'll have Lurice, uh stretched wide for it, but doesn't quite get it. Uh, and then I'm actually going to say Antonio gets the other one. He's had a little bit of a goal drought. Uh, you you know, just like Lanzini, just like uh, Mark Noble, always up for London Derbies. Uh, so I'm going to go with with Antonio. Uh, with probably the first goal and then uh, Benrahma scores another one late, Uh, but I think my my man of the match is actually going to be Dawson. I think that he's going to be just an absolute asshat like the entire match and he's just going to be putting Sun on his backside every opportunity that he gets.
1: It's a a beautiful shout. I I have a 2-1 finish. I have goals from Lingard on the left, and Jared Bowen is going to get back on the score sheet on the right. I think Jared Bowen is the most selfless player we have. He'll do whatever the manager asks him to do. Um, I I don't think his technical skills are up there, but he's so blazing fast. Um, I think he will run, and they have Eric Dyer, and if he plays at all, he's going to make a mistake. So, you know, I mean, I, I look at the situation, Eric Dyer, will probably have to use the restroom at one point and they'll have to play. <laughs> they'll be down a man. And I think we'll get another goal, but I, I have a two one finish. Um, I do think they're going to get one. The reason I think they're going to get one is because for some strange reason, when we play Tottenham in the first 20 minutes, we tend to concede. It's kind yeah. of been a trend. Um, so I, I think we're going to fall down early and I think it's, you know, we're all going to, our assholes are going to tighten up a little bit. But I think once West Ham settle in, once that double pivot starts breaking up all the play that they have coming forward, because especially if they're without Kane, you know, Kane's vision might be the best in the prim. And if he's not there to see those passes to get Son onto the ball, Son really is a one-trick pony. He's really good when he has Kane next to him. But on his own, uh, he, I mean, he's, he's kind of like Jared Bone a little bit, real pacey, um, but not the absolute greatest player I think when it comes to uh, just being a dot like dominating a game.
0: Now I that that begs the question then. Do you think that Moyes deploys the Sioux Fall Fredericks on one side to try to shut down Sun? Similar to what they did against Jack Grealish. Like I can almost see Moyes going Fredericks. Your job is to track Sun all over the pitch. If he switches right, switch right. Stays left, stay left. Goes central, stay on him central. I could almost see that happening.
1: I, and, and you know, look, David Moyes, we we don't know what he's going to do. We're we're literally just taking shots in the dark. I don't fear Son. Yes, look, I know Son scores goals on us. He's done it a lot, but he's done it when Harry Kane's on the pitch. True. So I will say this: if Harry Kane is on the pitch, if he does play, then yeah, I think maybe that is. I there there has to be Moyes has to be smart enough to understand, and I'm sure he is, that if you find out Harry Kane's playing. You have to be aware of that. You, you know, Harry Kane. No matter how we feel about him, he's England's number one striker. So the the, the player can play. Um, so we have to be aware of that situation. But I, I think it's a two one finish. Um, and my man of the match is going to be honestly the guy who's been causing just he's been causing havoc for everybody. It's Michael Antonio. He's going to get nice. man of the match and not score a goal. Just because he is a man-child out there. (laughs) Um, All right. So now it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show. It's time for our yellow and red cards. Hit me with your yellow card, Liam.
0: Okay, so my my yellow card is actually going to go out to uh, the West Ham Twitter. Uh, so I've seen a lot of a lot of people uh, bashing others that are West Ham supporters, trying to question, you know, uh, their faithfulness to the club or you know their knowledge and how much they know they they know about the history and these players and that players. And you know, I've i found myself getting caught up in in that sometimes too. There was somebody the other day when when we were playing Fulham on Twitter that was like the Fulham manager looks like a Bond villain, and like the first comment to it was like. Do you not know that that's Scotty Parker? you know what I mean? And like I, I get it and sometimes it's like yeah I mean if it's a younger kid or if it's a somebody that came in you know supporting the club after Scotty had already left for for Tottenham, yeah, maybe they don't know that that's who that is right on site. And I think sometimes we're so quick to judge other people um you know when they make a mistake or when they when they don't know as much as somebody else's. So I'm, I'm handing the yellow card because I just want to caution. Uh, West Ham Twitters be like, look, man, like we all root for the same team. Like we are all part of the same family. And yeah, families fight, families disagree, but like, you don't need to be a dick about it. Like you and I banter and we have a good time on this show. Um, I mean, we hate each other in real fucking life, but I mean, Tim and Lee pay us enough to do this show. So we tolerate each other for an hour. No, just wait, wait, how much you get paid? (laughs) Lee said, I'm not allowed to say so we'll, we'll, we'll put it this way. You're on Dawson money. I'm on Lingard money. We'll, we'll just put it that way. We'll put it that way. These motherfuckers. <laughs> but see, but I think that's the thing is like, I, I, I'm not saying people can't have fun and, and have a bit of the crack. Like that's, that's all, that's all what it should be about is fun and games. But when people get legitimately vicious and shitty about it, it just, it to me, you're forgetting what it's about being about being a part of the West Ham family. What about you, man? What's your yellow card?
1: It goes out to every pundit in England. Every single (laughs) one of them gets a fucking yellow card. And I really wish I could walk on the middle of their show and do that stupid little stance. The ref do with the stiff back and stick the card in their face and then write it down and jog off like an idiot. But I mean, (laughs) look, every one of them gets the yellow card and this is why in the magical season, uh, I believe it was 2015 Lester won it right. The 2015 season season. In the magical season that Leicester won it, everybody was talking about Leicester. Now, granted, Leicester were sitting in the top two spots for pretty much the whole year, and I understand that, but everybody was talking about Leicester, talking about Leicester. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Leicester, Leicester, Leicester. Nobody's talking about West Ham United in fourth. Everything that I read, I was on Premier League fan zone, and a chance to go forth i got asked one question goes well do you think your team's going to win i said well, well yeah i'm a west ham supporter and that was fucking it <laughs> that's all that was said <laughs> and i was like okay that's fine and all but they they spent most of the time i was on with an everton fan talking to the everton fan and i didn't understand it i went guys you know that we beat everton like we beat them yeah like why are you yeah. wasting your time over here just because Everton are a wannabe big six club. They're a wannabe. Look, we're the story. I'm not saying we're not wannabe at all. We're the story. We've been fighting relegation three years in a row. And now we're in fucking fourth. Well, fifth at the current moment. But I mean, my whole point is going to be this West Ham United, I would like to see the pundits spend more time and talk about us a little bit. I think we've earned it. I think David Moyes has earned it. I think Declan Rice deserves it. I think Mikel Antonio deserves it. Um, I think it's huge. I think it's huge, and we absolutely uh, should be getting more coverage there. Hit me with your red card.
0: My red card goes to Moise Critics. Everybody out there still, but when the game st- it hasn't even fucking started yet and the lineup comes out, everybody becomes a goddamn armchair analyst and they're like, oh, I can't believe he would pick that. Oh, it's like Moy's is trying to set us up to lose. Fuck Moise. Moise out. And then all of a sudden we win the fucking game and everybody's like, oh, Moise is a genius, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you guys. You're you're fucking giving me whiplash with this 180 bullshit. Just fucking back the manager. Stop getting your panties in a fucking twist and just wait for the result. You want to bitch and moan after the game is done? be my fucking guest but everybody is so up in arms before the match before the ball's even been kicked and i'm not looking at kyle or anything it's definitely not tex over here who's fucking getting his panties that thong has to be so far up your asshole like i'm surprised you can even breathe my friend what about you what's your red card
1: first off i want to say this I'm the one that sent you the lineup and said, I really like this lineup. This is true. This is true. You did. I I want to point that out. I I thought he nailed it from when I saw it. Um, Look, I've given my red card to David Moyes every single week. Okay. Every single week I've given my red card to David Moyes. If you're one of the seven listeners to the show, you know what my red card has been. I have apologized profusely on this show to David Moyes because I was wrong. Okay. I was a hundred percent wrong. So. I have to find somewhere to get my red card. Now, I'm giving it to fucking David Moyes again. (laughs) God damn it. I'm giving it to you for fucking lying to me and fooling me and making me think you're an idiot when you're an absolute fucking genius, okay? (laughs) So you get a red card for being a liar about how smart you actually are and being so brilliant and winning all these games and putting my team in fifth fucking place. That's a fucking red card for you, sir. That's what you get. Go home to your beautiful wife. Make love smile and we will see you Sunday. All right. God, <laughs> God damn this guy. All right. Uh, so I can't. I, if, you, if you listen to this show, you know I gotta give him the red card. It's all about the juju. It's I've been all the juju. Red, I've been giving him red cards all, all year, and we're in fucking fifth. So I can't stop now. Nope. Um, okay. Uh thank you so much for, for listening. We we do want to uh to let you know right now that this is the part of the show where, uh, you know, something near and dear to the, uh, if you don't know, Liam and I are located in Fresno, California. Yes, we are part of the American Hammers Network, but we also represent a supporter group out here called the Fresno Irons. You can find us at Fresno Irons on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Feel free to message us there if you want to get in touch with either one of us, or if you just want to follow all the events, if you find yourself taking a trip to California and you want to meet up, we are definitely a family-oriented group. But... In our family out here in Fresno, California, we did suffer a loss almost a year ago that was pretty tragic uh, and near and dear to our hearts, and that's why we're we're talking to you about this right now. Um, if you're ever feeling lost, lonely, you feel like you've got nobody to talk to, and you're having thoughts uh, to make a decision that I don't think anybody wants to ever be faced with making that decision, understand that there are people to talk to. Um, in addition to reaching out to Um, us here at American Hammers Radio on Twitter at, at, at A-H-R-W-H-U, is where you can find us. You can send us a message there. Um, Liam or myself will definitely get in touch with you. You can also message us on any of the Fresno Irons social media platforms, which is at Fresno Irons on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Um, we want you to know that we're here for you. And if you don't want to talk to us and you need somebody to call, there is a number you can call. And that number in the United States is 1-800-273-8255. Again, that number is 1-800-273-8255. And just know that if you're listening to the show, we're here for you. And if you don't want us to be there for you, there's somebody that is. Before you make that decision, please understand that you are loved by someone, and we are here for you. Liam, let them know how they can do it in the U.K.,
0: Perfect. So you can reach out to the Samaritans at 116-123. And basically the same thing what Kyle said, this is an opportunity for you to reach out, uh, have somebody that, uh, you know, professionally can listen to, you know, some of your concerns, how you're feeling, uh, and get you back onto the, the straight and narrow. But as we've also said before, you know, reach out to us at Fresno Irons and at AHRWHU.
1: Well, thank you again for listening to the show. We've done sixteen of these goddamn things already. So just this um, season, it's crazy. God, it's nuts. Um, I know you're probably sick of listening to us. We we obviously uh, want to thank Tim and Lee for providing us the platform here on American Hammers Radio in order to uh, do this podcast for all seven of you. We do appreciate you listen. If you ever want to get involved in the show, drop us a line. Hell, if you even want to join the show, let us know. Obviously, if we don't like you, we're not going to let you join. But if we do <laughs> like you, uh, well, you know, we'd love to have you on, talk to you a little bit. Um, got a big one coming up this Sunday, Liam, huge one. Um, I don't want to hear any of you people on the, uh, on the East coast talking shit about, Oh, it's an early one. It's 4am out here and the Fresno Irons will be opening up the pub. Uh, so at 4am West Ham United's, uh, most favorite supporter group in Fresno, California. Yeah. <laughs> the Fresno irons. Uh, they I don't know where we actually rank for them, but we know in Fresno where they're number one.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, we better um, be.
1: We will be at Pine and Palm Brewing, so if you would love to join us because you're in the Fresno area, um, even if you don't support West Ham, we welcome all. Just understand we're going to talk mad shit to you if you don't root for West Ham United. Uh, so uh, 4 a.m., fucking early, Pine and Palm Brewing. Love to see you if you find yourself driving around Fresno, California, and you're like, what the hell else am I going to do at 4 in the morning? I don't need to smoke this crack. Let's go hang out with the <laughs> Fresno Irons. Uh, you know, we're always a better choice than drugs. Remember that. So. True. uh For Liam, this is Tex. Thank you so much for listening to American Hammers Radio. And as always, come come on on you irons.